Our reading this morning is from Acts chapter 10, and we begin reading at verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. Good, thank you, Jean and Margaret. So if I had to squeeze what was the most important part of what I wanted to say today into just one sentence, then I think it would be this, that the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ is not just for some people, but it's for everyone. And each person is different and is special in the sight of God. And I think our all-age section, our prayers have all kind of brought us to this place where this is what we are thinking about, especially this morning. And in our theme of welcome, uh, within these four words that we're putting as our uh, particular focus around our vision statement at the moment, welcome, love, challenge, and grow, uh, we're especially in the welcome section at the moment. And so as we think of the way in which God welcomes us and how we welcome one another, we want to acknowledge that everyone is different, that the good news of salvation through Jesus is not just for some, but it's for everyone, and that everyone is special in the sight of God. The gospel is not just for some, it is for all. But so much of our culture today offers benefits for some people, but not for everyone. So employment for some, homes for some, stability for some, Money for some, happiness for some. 
the good news of Jesus Christ, is not for some, it is for all. There are lots of people who think, actually, that the good news of Jesus is not for them. All kinds of people will, will come up with different reasons. Maybe they'd had a bad experience of church at some time, or they've got questions that can't really be answered, or other people maybe have let them down, or they're not interested in God anymore. A feeling that religion is, is only just for a few, or it's only just for those kind of people who seem to fit the mold. But the heart of our faith is that the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is not just for those for whom it might seem to fit, or not just for those who might particularly want to know. It is for all. And if we really get hold of this, then it makes a huge difference to how we think about life, how we communicate with other people, and how we think especially about welcome. We cannot look at ourselves anymore and say, Christianity is not for me, God's not interested in me, because we know that he is. And we cannot look at other people and say, God's not interested in them either, because that is not true. And we know that Christianity is for all. People are always left with the freedom to accept or not what they hear. But the message, the gospel, the good news is there for everyone. Every person is different, but every person is equally special in the sight of God. In the story of the Bible, of course, in the Old Testament, God began by working through some people. It was one nation, it was Israel, set aside as God's chosen people. But of course, the expressed intention of the Old Testament was that through working with one nation, all nations would be blessed. God's blessing to Abraham and his family was so that all families would know God's blessing. Sadly, the people of Israel kind of twisted that a little bit and allowed something of a favoritism to keep in, creep in. The idea that actually God was especially interested in them and not so interested in other people. And therefore grew what we would see as an appalling racial prejudice and pride. Such that in the time of Jesus, no Orthodox Jew would even consider entering the home of a Gentile. Not even a God-fearing one. Nor would they invite such a person into their own home. There were barriers that were there. And in the early church, this was a huge barrier to the spread of the gospel. And the story of Peter in the home of Cornelius is the turning point that breaks down that barrier and really brings home this wonderful truth that the good news of Jesus is for everyone. And that everyone is different, that everyone is special, and everyone is loved in the sight of God. So let me stay for a few moments with this story of Peter and Cornelius, which I have to confess is one of my favorites in the New Testament. It's a remarkable story. Both the main characters were public figures. Cornelius was a centurion, what we would call a captain or a commander in an army setting. The Jewish people respected him for his kindness, for his God-fearing character, but nevertheless, he was still a Gentile, which means as far as they were concerned, he was an outsider. He was one of the big characters. Peter was a Jew, one of the original 12 disciples, deeply entrenched within the Jewish traditions. But nevertheless, knowing that something extraordinary had happened, 
just a short while previously when Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. Both these men had visions. Cornelius was in Caesarea at the time. That's a fine port on the Mediterranean coast, which for me is always a very special place to visit today. Peter was in Joppa, which was quite a way further down the coast, today almost swallowed up by the large city of Tel Aviv. So Cornelius had a vision in which an angel told him to go and send for Peter. Peter had a vision of lots of different kinds of food which by tradition he should not eat, and he was told to eat them. So here's Peter, a jopper by the shoreline, on the rooftop, with this kind of vision. And Cornelius sent messengers to Peter, asking him to travel to Caesarea and visit Cornelius at his house. So the next day, Peter made that journey, and the two men met. And as soon as Peter stepped inside the house of Cornelius, Cornelius bowed down to him. Peter then told him to stand up and said, I'm only a man. And then the real conversation back began between these two. Indeed, this was a critical moment. In the newspapers, this would have been headline stuff. Peter, a Jew, stepped inside the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and Cornelius, a Gentile centurion, bowed down and paid homage to Peter, the Jew. Now, had Peter stayed outside, he would have been treating Cornelius as inferior. He came inside. Had Peter allowed Cornelius to continue to bow down, again, Peter would view himself as superior. But he didn't want any of that. A huge barrier had been broken down. In this dramatic moment, in the life of the early church, the gospel was for not just for some, it was for all. And of course, the reason why Peter did that it's because of the dream that he'd had. When that sheet came down, and all those different animals were on the sheet, sheet, and as far as we can understand, some that uh, by Jewish law he might have been able to eat, and some he definitely could not eat, as declared to be unclean. And he was told to get up and eat. And as he reflected on that vision, he realized that God was using that vision of animals to speak to him about people. And that just as God was saying through the vision that he should eat clean and unclean animals according to Jewish ceremony, he was about to encounter a situation where he needed to cross the threshold and embrace people of a different background. The gospel message is for all people today. And in the church, we're called to be missionaries of that gospel, carrying the good news wherever we go. And this story has a special place in my heart because it just seems to unlock the key to effective Christian mission today. On each of our visits to Israel, we've finished our tour here in Caesarea, and it's always been a very special moment. I could show you many pictures of Caesarea, and I decided just to take this one this morning, which uh, Francis, my wife, uh, captured last time we were there. I feel sorry for the fisherman. I think he got very wet. He might have got swept over by the wave. 
but uh, it just captures something of the vibrance of this place and the Mediterranean Sea. There is an ancient harbor, Herodian, uh, built by King Herod, and uh, remnants of the harbor are there. There was an ancient amphitheater, and that has now been replaced by a very modern amphitheater. So there are outdoor productions that take place at Caesarea. Uh, so historically and in the present time, it's absolutely fascinating to be there. And that's where we generally finish when we travel. But as I reflect on this story and what it's saying to us now, these are the things that I feel are especially important. First, that everyone is different. In the wonder of God's creation, there is immense variety in human form. We're all so different. And yet each of us are beautifully, fearfully, and wonderfully made. Those wonderful words of Psalm 139, verse 14. And this story highlights especially the difference between Jews and Gentiles, but there are many other differences too. I'm so glad that Jean prayed for children this morning. And one of the differences we reflect on in the Christian community is different ages. We've been working this year on the idea of intergenerational church, the deeper appreciation of each age group among us, linking together those who are older with those who are younger, capturing the fantastic, dynamic spontaneity of young life and connecting that with the maturity of older years. It's work in progress. But if we're to be effective in our Christian community and in our welcome, then we need to strongly embrace our different ages and different lifestyles. Some of us live in families. Some of us live alone. Some of us with many demands on our time. Some of us with more free time. Slightly odd expression, isn't it? But you know what I mean. Ask, what does a typical week look like in your home? And if we did that around the congregation this morning, we'd get many different answers. Because what you and I actually do during a typical week varies immensely, different lifestyles. We come from different cultural backgrounds. Some of us born in the UK, some born elsewhere. And even if we've been born in the UK, some of us trace our roots to other parts of the world through parents and grandparents. And indeed, if we go back far enough, then all of us trace our roots to somewhere else in the world. But if we're brought up in a different culture to the one where we now live, then we will see life through a different lens. And one of the great challenges for us in our welcome is to understand the different lenses through which different people will see life and to appreciate the huge diversity and be greatly enriched by that kind of variety. Our different cultural backgrounds are an enormous blessing. And we have different faith journeys. I wonder what brings you here today. Has church always been part of your life? Or has it come to you later in life? Do you arrive here from being within a Christian, even a Baptist context for many years? Or have you experienced different kinds of church life? What have been your thoughts about God in earlier years? Have you gone through a period of time when you've been strongly rebellious against God and against the pattern of life 
that we would describe as Christian. We have different stories to tell of what has brought us to this moment. And that, again, is a rich diversity that we need to hear and capture. Everyone is different, but these differences are hugely positive as we come and share our common faith. Everyone is different. But then secondly, everyone is special. Peter had a vision of animals lowered on a sheep, some clean, some unclean. They were all different, but they fitted into one of those two categories, foods that can be eaten according to Jewish tradition and food which cannot be eaten. One commentary describes the vision as a mixture of clean and unclean creatures calculated to disgust any Orthodox Jew. And then the voice said, get up and eat. And a key text for this story is when the Lord says to Peter, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And so as we have a little reminder of this morning on this card, it's green this week. Uh, last week it was white, so don't get them confused. But uh, this week the green cards just remind us of that verse that's right at the center of this story. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And if you collect these cards from the Sundays that you're here as we follow through this theme, uh, by the end of Welcome, Love, Challenge and Grow, by the time we get into the autumn, you'll have quite a collection of them. Peter quickly understood that there was a movement here from food to people. The dream was about food, but its meaning was about people. Special in the sight of God. God does not show favoritism. Indeed, that word comes out a little bit further on in the story. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts those from every nation who fear him and who do what is right. That was Peter, as it were, retelling his experience in Cornelius' house. Special in the sight of God and special in enriching the community of God's people. There's something incredibly powerful about a diverse group of people all engaged in the same task. A fascinating experience that uh, our family had just uh, two or three weeks ago, and uh, some of you I know have also experienced this, the London Marathon, 35,000 people running that incredible 26 miles uh, through the streets of London. There was, of course, a common purpose uh, to achieve for the runners that huge challenge. Uh, the purpose of those who were there who were not running was obviously to support the runners as they did that. And a lot of money was raised as a result of the whole day. There was a phenomenal diversity in the, both in the people who were running and in those who were supporting. A diversity of age, there were young runners, there were older runners. A diversity of dress, uh, from those who were really dressed in a sporty way to run seriously, and those who dressed uh, in a very amusing manner, one or two of which were caught on television, and you've seen that. A diversity of background from where people have come from. 
and just an immense diversity also in the crowds that were there supporting. But there was a common purpose. We were there for a common purpose, and that was to support those who were running to achieve the goal and to complete the course. A diverse group of people with a common purpose. That's what the church is all about. A diverse group of people, but with a very clear common purpose. I long for a more diverse community among us here. People from every tribe, language, and nation. People of all ages and all backgrounds. Because it makes the community of church so much richer for being both diverse and inclusive. But for me, the most important thing in this story is that everyone is equally welcomed in the kingdom of God. This is not primarily a story about who is there or what Peter does or what the centurion does. This is primarily a story about what God does. And this is what makes this story so exciting. It starts with a dream of Peter and, and the sheep that came down in Joppa. And then it's the... Uh, messenger that goes and calls for him and goes up to Cornelius and then there's a conversation between Peter and Cornelius and then Peter talks to Cornelius and his family and his friends and talks about Jesus Uh, and the story progresses in that way but then this is beyond the bit that we read but the tail end of this story is so incredibly exciting Peter explains the message of Jesus he starts with the Old Testament prophets messengers from God announcing the significance of Jesus and he moves quickly through the life of Jesus his miracles performed in the power of spirit his death and his resurrection and then the call on the disciples to preach that there is forgiveness of sin through believing in Jesus Peter tells them the gospel of Jesus Christ but what I love most about this story is that God doesn't wait until the preacher has finished before he totally breaks through into Cornelius' house. And the Holy Spirit came, and many of Cornelius' family and friends were just so overwhelmed by the presence of God, and they knew the truth of what they were hearing, and they responded in faith to Jesus Christ. There's no doubt that as far as God was concerned, when these Gentiles were repenting of their sins and believing in Jesus, they were equally welcomed into the kingdom of God. And that made it a breakthrough moment. An absolute breakthrough moment. And it is that expression of the Spirit that I long for today that will break through any unnecessary barriers that there might be that hold you back from discovering the fullness of God's love and purpose in your life any sense that you feel perhaps you don't quite belong, whatever it is that's caused that to happen, God means you to be here. And not only to be here, but to discover him and to allow his spirit really to fill every part of your being. And So let me read to you how this story ends in the tail end of Acts chapter 10 but while Peter was still speaking these words the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message the circumcised believers who'd come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God 
And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So they ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few more days. Last week, we had the story of the Ethiopian official who was baptized. After Philip ran alongside the chariot and stayed with him. And after the a whole process of exploring faith together in a conversational way led to the Ethiopian official's baptism. Now we have the friends and family of Cornelius being baptized because the Spirit has broken through barriers and that complete welcome through what God had done in Peter's life into the lives of Cornelius and his family brought about a wonderful change. So don't stay on the edge. Don't stay on the edge of church. Don't stay on the edge of faith. Allow God to draw you in this morning to the fullness of his love and to experience his spirit. And so I'm going to ask the band to come back on the stage and lead us into some songs where we can respond to what we've been hearing. And I think these songs really are just the right words for us to enter into acknowledging that we are longing for the presence, the power of God, and that that community of God's people embraces all. Thank you.